British Manufacturing Podcast, brought to you by MTD, MFG and Jefferson. Hello and welcome to the Great British Manufacturing Podcast. On this week's podcast, we discuss the positive British manufacturing news from the last seven days and welcome a special guest, who this week is Malcolm Earp of the Ultimate Battery Company. He is the Chief Operating and Commercial Officer. But before we start, I want to say a word about Factory Now. The Factory Now initiative has been launched to help British manufacturing sector boost sales, collaborate and reshore. New members are joining all the time and new articles have been uploaded to the site every week. To take a look at this, go to mtdmfg.com forward slash factory now. Stuart, how are we doing? Yeah, really good, Joe. Uh, welcome back and congratulations once again on your new role as MD of MTD CNC. Oh, many thanks. Many thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's, let's crack on with the news. We've got some good news this week. Uh, four major investments in the UK life sciences sector uh, to start this week's podcast. It's a good story to k- kick off with. Certainly is unbelievable run. So British manufacturer GSK, they've um, opened a new £90 million factory. It's Barnard Castle uh, site. The pharmaceutical giant employs more than 1,000 people at the County Durham campus, supplying nearly half a million packs of products per day to 140 global markets. Smith & Nephew, they've announced plans to build a new £80 million production and R&D facility in Melton near Hull. And this is one of the largest investments in the medical equipment manufacturer's 166-year history. NHS patients will have access to the next generation of vaccines and treatments following an agreement between the government and Moderna to build a state-of-the-art manufacturing research and development centre in the UK. And finally, AstraZeneca, they've announced a £16.5 million investment in specialist manufacturing facilities at its Macclesfield campus, which is one of its largest production sites. What a great start. Moving on. Uh, British Steel, we've got a couple of updates coming out of there. Yeah, British Steel investing £80 million to enhance its product range and improve performance in Scunthorpe. The bulk of the investment, £48 million, is financing the installation of a new billet caster. The Scunthorpe rod mill is also being given a £32 million upgrade. And this follows on from, um, we, we have covered the, the story in previous podcasts, but they, they now have secured planning permission for a new £26 million facility at the Skinning uh, Grove plant. And that, that's the firm's largest investment in its special profiles business for more than three decades. Yeah, just incredible, isn't it? Uh, and this week, it's one of the more popular stories we've had this year, actually. Hybrid air vehicles have won a, a huge export order, haven't they? Certainly have. The British manufacturer, they've secured an order worth hundreds of millions of pounds from Spanish airline Air Nostrum for 10 of its Airlander 10 hybrid aircraft, capable of carrying 100 passengers, the, the helium-filled airships, which the company says will have under the, a tenth of the um, carbon footprint per passenger of jet planes, will be built at a new green aerospace manufacturing cluster in South Yorkshire. And this investment is expected to create 1,800 jobs. Okay, Stuart, let's take a brief pause on this week's Positive UK Manufacturing News. There's plenty more to come, but I'd like to introduce this week's special guest, Malcolm Earp, who is Chief Operating and Commercial Officer at the Ultimate Battery Company. Malcolm, thanks for joining us. Yes, thanks for the invite. It's uh, it's it's great pleasure to talk to you guys about uh, the exciting things that we're going to be doing. For sure. Before we do that, can we just ask you about you know, your background and your current role and what your daily responsibilities are, please? Yes. 
I've, I've had a long career in automotive, um, and although um, Ultimate Battery is a, is a tech company, actually my background has been internationally, you know, developing um, dealer networks and improving their performance. So um, actually what I've had to do in this current role is reach back to a chemistry degree, which I obtained, um, I won't say how many years ago, but a long, long time ago, um, because in Ultimate Battery, we're a small team at the moment, um, and we all have to take on lots and lots of different responsibilities, as any new company does. So in addition to being the chief operating officer um, and chief commercial officer, as we build up and we get publicity, I'm also acting chief technical uh, technology officer, I should say. Um, because a lot of the processes and the materials that we're using in our new battery technology are completely new. Nobody's ever done them before. Um, so I'm having to reach back into my scientific background um, really to figure out how do we do this, how do we do that with our supply chain. That's interesting, yeah, for sure. And that could give us an overview of the company, Ultimate Battery Company, please. Yes, Ultimate Battery Company, it's, it's a new battery technology company. Um, what we've done is that we've taken a, uh, a battery architecture, uh, which is called Bipolar. Now, let me just sort of explain in simple terms. Um, in simple terms, all batteries, whether they are you know starter batteries or whether it's the battery that goes in your phone or um, batteries in electric vehicles, they're all single cells you know, single cell batteries that are joined together, okay? Um, and, and if you can imagine that energy, say energy is like people, and you imagine that people all live in individual little houses, um, what we've done with our battery architecture is we've, in effect, invented the terraced house or the apartment because our batteries, instead of being single cells, it's, it's, a, it's a sandwich. So one side of the plate is positive the other side is negative so instead of it being individual cells you've got a complete unit and that's enabled us to um, halve the weight of, uh, of traditional batteries or um, you know and indeed half the size of them so in other words you're getting twice the energy in the same space or weight um, that's just the start because this architecture has it's been around for a while but it, it it's been the plate technology that has stopped it from being fully implemented um so we've already we're building for the american army um some test batteries for them uh where we've literally um reduced the weight of the battery in half and i mean these are lead, these are lead carbon batteries so they're they're replacing lead acid batteries and we're getting the same performance in a battery in a lead battery that they're getting from a lithium-ion battery so that's the significant move that we've got now in addition to and we file patents on this in addition we've uh, we've also filed patents and we'll soon be starting on something which is even more significant um, we've developed a battery architecture using our our sort of uni plate architecture um, which will enable um, electric vehicles to be charged in literally a few minutes um, because the way that this works is that you charge the electrolyte outside of the battery you put the charged electrolyte into a tank and you 
push, you then flow it through the battery to release the energy. And then when you go to the fueling station or the charging station, um, you pump out the charged elect the depleted electrolyte and part and chart and pump in the charged electrolyte in a simultaneous operation taking just a, literally two or three minutes. So that would enable the adoption of electric vehicles to be um, hugely um, accelerated. Um, it's going to also overcome the peak demands for electric vehicle charging as well. Uh, because of course the electrolyte can be charged off peak triple charged um, but we've also designed it in such a way that you can reverse charge at, at home so in other words you put the power into the battery and then you pump you charge the depleted electrolyte back into the charged electrolyte tank so it means that you've got the ultimate flexibility about filling with electrolyte in the same time as it takes to fill with petrol or diesel but also being able to charge at home in the same way that you've got with a you know a traditional electric vehicle. So we believe that's going to be a you know a complete um, game changer. Exciting times, Malcolm. Yes, we think so. No, absolutely, and uh, no fascinating uh, technology and architecture. And I certainly like the uh, terrace house uh, uh, description. It uh, even I understood that, Malcolm. Um, so. Talking about the, the broader landscape, why and how are you investing in greener solutions within the UK? Well, one of the motivations is that, you know, we, we are, like most people, very concerned about global warming. And obviously, transport emissions play an awfully large part in this. Um, but if we look at the weight of vehicles, um, actually having a battery that is, you know, is, is half the weight um, reduces the amount of weight that then has to be, you know, that energy has to be applied to to move that. Um, so even taking, you know, our lightweight lead carbon battery, that will have a major impact um, in terms of reducing CO2 emissions, even, you know, or, or making the efficiency of renewable energy even better because you're reducing the weight. I mean, one of the OEMs has reckoned that we can save them uh, 15 kilos in, in vehicle weight by our battery technology. And, and of course, we've got to bear in mind that, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the electric vehicle battery, which I've described, you know, the, what we call in the motor flow battery, um, that will have a major impact in, in making it a no-brainer to go for an electric vehicle. Um, so, so uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's very much about reducing CO2, but we've also got um, another project which we want to use our uh, lead carbon batteries for, and that's we are, we, we have a, um, we have something which is called Ultimate Battery Bright Spark, um, which is a, still a concept at the moment, but what we want to do is we want to democratise energy for the developing world now at the moment you know the developing photovoltaic cells have come down in price and it is affordable in a say a village in benin to have a you know photovoltaic power uh, generation but the the problem they've got is the storage of the electricity that's generated now we can bring the price of our lead carbon batteries down to something that makes it very affordable so it means that a a villager in Benin could be potentially no more disadvantaged than a villager in Belgium, you know, in, in as much as 
gather the power, it can be stored inexpensively with using a battery system that needs very little maintenance. Lead is a very, very stable chemistry. Um, Self-balancing, so it doesn't need all the battery management that you've got with, uh, you know, with the other chemistries like lithium. Um, so that is something we're quite passionate about. We believe that that would then enable um, power to be used for water, you know, to, to pump water, to provide education, healthcare. Um, uh, you know, it, it would power the development of the you know developing world and take a lot of people out of poverty. Uh, without creating the environmental impact that you've got associated with, um, you know, with, with sort of fossil fuel-based development or burning of wood and things like that. You know, this way the sun can be used, the energy can be stored, and they get all the benefits that uh, that, that we will get. Absolutely. And uh, I'm, I'm moving on to the production side of things. Um, I understand that South Yorkshire has been chosen as a location for your R&D and manufacturing facility. Um, what, what was the reasoning behind that? Well, when we first started to develop our technology, we brought the you know the idea really from uh, from our uh, you know our CEO being based in the US and moving back to the UK. Um, but one of the things we needed, we needed a university partner that could also build the batteries for us. Um, and through the um, DIT, because we were seen as an inward investment, um, we were encouraged. Um, it took us a long time to get to this point, I have to say that, until we came across somebody in the DIT who really has absolutely done a storming job for us, a lady called Karen Barnes. So a big shout out to Karen. Um, Karen suggested that we looked at the AMRC in Sheffield as an ideal partner to um, help us develop our prototypes. So that was the sort of the, the first reason that we were in Sheffield. And uh, subsequently, um, as we come to scale up, we looked at a number of different regions. We looked at West Midlands, North of Tyne, um, say South Yorkshire, uh, Cambridge and Peterborough. Um, and South, uh, South Yorkshire combined mayor authority um, really sort of pull all the stops out because they, they, they want to have uh, high value skilled jobs in their region. You know, they, they remember the days of the steel industry and they want to get back to being a a manufacturing region again so that that's been the you know so they were they attracted us now i have to say that in the early days we had a lot of interest um from germany um you know we were pursued quite heavily by um you know by dresden who really wanted us to set up there because they could see the potential of the technology um but as i say um Fortunately, it took us a while and it was a bit touch and go, but eventually we got the right support from the DIT um, through Karen and, you know, things have moved ahead for us and got us secured securely in the UK. I'd also add that we also believe that the government support, the overall government support, um, you know, that's encouraging us to be here in the UK as well. You know, the, the government is keen, you know, as far as we can see, um, to encourage a, 
um, high tech um, economy with high wages. I mean, you know, we, we need to be like Germany and, uh, and, the, and the national governments seem to be doing that. And I think gradually the local governments have come on, come on board with this as well. So we feel everything's going in the right direction with this. Um, I think the only missing um, element in this is uh, is probably the, the is the funding. I mean, funding has always been the sort of the most difficult bit of what we're doing. I mean, we've you know fortunately we've had a you know a, a, an R and D investment from the uh, say the American Department of Defense um, and also a large um, aerospace company who. I, I, can't name for sort of contractual reasons, but leave you to draw your own conclusions. Um, so they've believed in us, um, but as I say, the, the the one of the big one of the missing elements really in the UK is that we don't have the Landesbank type of uh, arrangements that they have in Germany to support new businesses. Um, you know, so it works very well, for, and this is a really really important point. The current situation works very well for attracting um, big established businesses to invest in the UK. That's that's working perfectly, but it doesn't help new businesses, you know, who are starting in the UK. Um, and given the fact that in our first trading year we turned over 1.3 million, we made a hundred thousand pound profit. Um, we had a completely clean balance sheet with absolutely zero borrowings. We, we had no sunk cost in this. We, you know, we bootstrapped the business ourselves, but we didn't put it into, you know, we just absorbed that ourselves personally. And we were paying ourselves. And yet still, you know, investors are saying, well, you haven't got a track record. You know, it's a new business. You can't have a track record. You know, if we were in the States, you know, somebody would have put a lot of money into us and would have got things going much quicker. But um, and the, the banking industry, I'm afraid, in the UK is very much focused on um, retail banking. It's not really, um, you know, it, it's it's not, there's nothing really to support new businesses in terms of banking. I mean, it, it, they may say there is, but I, I've even had people in the banking industry saying, actually, Mark, you're actually quite right. No, it's uh, very interesting to, to, you know, to, to hear the backstory there. And, uh, you, you know, like so. The great support you've had from Karen and certainly the podcast, you know, big fans of Ben Morgan and the AMRC and what, what the guys do there. So, you know, so you know, I'm sure you'd be um, certainly well looked after there. It's just there. But I can also sense your frustration that obviously, you know, with the technology, with the platform, with the architecture, it's all ready to go. It's just finding the right site now to to to, to scale everything up. I'd say this, that, you know, we, you know, we, we have got the attention of national government. Um, you know, we've, we were actually invited to the Global Investment Summit last October. Um, uh, only one person could go, so our CEO went to that. So that was, you know, the Global Investment Summit, and we were there. Only a very few companies had been invited. Um, you know, so our CEO met Bill Gates and Boris and, you know, lots and lots of sort of, you know, very senior people in the uh, technology world and in, in addition to that we were one of only seven companies to in, be invited to the dinner at Windsor Castle ha, um, hosted by the Queen so um, in fact Maurizio was actually explaining our technology to Prince William and Prince Michael of Kent and Prince Charles and uh, um, and in fact we've even got um, 
you know, we, we've got the Queen's personal private secretary who's keeping abreast of what we're doing, and Maurizio's meeting with her next month, um, and and so and also with um, with Number Ten. So, national government is very um, conscious of the opportunity that we can create uh, with a completely new technology, which the UK would be the centre of. Um, it's just that it's just the financial support that is the um, you know is is sort of missing. So. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, aren't we clever? All I'm saying is that any new tech company coming into the UK um, as a a new company with no sort of track record, um, it's a challenge. You know, um, now, if you're setting up something which doesn't actually have a lot of capital risk, like, a, you know, say, a, um, you know, a digital company, that's probably easier, but it just seems that, uh, I mean, somebody said to me, the problem with the UK is that the investors in the UK generally come from a banking background, which is incredibly risk averse. Whereas in the US, they're generally from entrepreneurs who've cashed in their money and looking for the next great idea. Um, but it, but it's it's a real issue that needs to be tackled because we're not going to get new businesses like ourselves starting off and creating those manufacturing jobs, you know, as new businesses, unless we get this this financial support. Absolutely. And uh, but uh, wish you all the very best. Look, I think Jay's got a couple of final questions for you, Malcolm. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's it just battery infrastructure in the UK. You know, what are your thoughts on the current battery infrastructure and the market here in the UK? Well, I'm pleased to see that there is um, focus on, you know, the, the you know, the, the, the battery structure. You know, we're not getting, we're not involved in, in lithium batteries, but for the time being, they are going to be, um, you know, the battery of choice for electric vehicles. And it's very important that the UK um, steps up to that because if we're not building batteries for electric vehicles in the UK, then we won't attract the um, established um, electric vehicle manufacturers here. So I'm pleased to see that we're doing that. Um, I think that, you know, that there's, there's more that needs to be done, you know, so that we do really um, take a, a sort of a, a leading position globally in terms of making uh, making batteries. And we hope to be part of that process um, because our, our business model is, is to... Um, build up to a certain volume and then to license to others as well so we're hoping to um that some of the big battery manufacturers will invest here in the uk to build our batteries under license as well yeah no sounds a sounds a good idea and just a final one for me in terms of the aspirations of the company and what, what's planned for the rest of this year and next year and beyond i guess well this year it's very much about securing the factory site um We've got, um, we do need to, to build probably somewhere in the region of about um, uh, 20,000 battery modules this year um, because um, we, we've, uh, we've got a lot of OEMs who are really keen, uh, you know, to, to, you know, to test our batteries. And of course, we've got the American Department of Defense with considerably, you know, with huge orders sitting there once they've tested our batteries. So, um uh, th th that's the first stage is to get that first stage incubator going this year um but 
early next year we need to have a big factory site because as i say we've got to be able to um plan and put in place the um manufacturing you know at a larger scale i mean we're going to be building up to a uh, capacity of 2.4 million modules um about you know battery modules so um that has you know we, we can't you know the demand for this is going to grow sort of ex, you know we believe fairly exponentially because of the you know huge advantages that the light weighting of our batteries provides so um you know that that's the next stage is to is to get that large factory site um minimum 130,000 square feet um so that we can actually start to get the the automated and semi-automated machinery into place and start the recruitment of the um of the staff it's the other thing we're having to hold fire on recruiting you know the sort of senior team members um until we've actually got a factory site i mean we have an you know we have a chief scientific officer who runs the um you know the r d for us um, um as part of our team one of my colleagues um, and we actually have a, a number of staff from the amrc who probably may well move across to us as well so the r d bit is covered pretty well but we can't press the go button on recruiting say a production director um until we've actually got a site locked down um but once we have then as i say we will build up um to 2.4 million modules um now bearing in mind that um in terms of if, if we break it down to modules the the global size of that market is somewhat like 300 million so um you know 2.4 million modules is only a drop in the ocean so to license these lightweight batteries to the existing battery manufacturers around the world um that could be huge uh, you know if we only get 10 percent of it that's still you know that's still 30 million modules um but what we will be doing is that the the secret part of our technology we won't be licensing that so in other words we will actually be building the um the battery plates as we define them um within a subsidiary which will be made up of our, of our supply chain partners most of which are in the uk um so there is a huge potential not only to grow our business but also to grow this supply chain um you know massively in the uk so the 500 employees that we have um in ultimate battery may be dwarfed by the number of uh, jobs that we'll create in the uh, in the supply chain here in the uk ah exciting exciting times malcolm thank you so much for joining us on the podcast it's been it's, i know i've learned a lot and i'm sure our listeners will have done as well thank you for the opportunity and look forward to, to uh, keeping you up to date yeah and i'm sure we'll, we're sure we'll have you back on when you're when you're a bit further down your journey and you've and you found your found your plans which i'm sure will happen sure will happen really soon but yeah thanks again for joining us pleasure speak very soon Stu. good interview that it's a fascinating insight to the company certainly is and uh you know wish them every success i'm, I'm sure um in time to come they'll, they'll find the right site find their new factory and uh, create hundreds of jobs in the uk so uh, i'm sure mark will be back on the podcast in due course 
Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. And, uh, and if, if, if you haven't got time, we don't get time to cover all the news in this week's podcast. So go to the website, mtdmfg.com. And we do have some exciting news to follow about the, the, the manufacturing platform. And we'll bring that to you in some further weeks ahead. Stuart, Rolls-Royce, they've got their, you know, their modular reactor program. It's accelerating. Yeah, the Derby-based engineering giant is opening new headquarters in Manchester and creating 850 jobs this year primarily in Warrington and Derby, to support the rapid growth of its mini nuclear power plant business. The SMR programme, which is expected to create 40,000 British jobs and generate £52 billion in economic benefit, has already secured almost £500 million in funding. And the great thing is 80% of the reactor's components will be built in UK factories. Yeah, that's, that's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. And we've, we mentioned a couple of the facilities on this podcast already, but we, we, you know, we've got to mention a couple more, one in Coventry, one in Hampshire. Yeah, Alexander Dennis, who uh, were very uh, well received on a previous podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're the UK's largest bus and coach manufacturer with more than 31,000 vehicles in service across the world. They've opened a new multi-million pound facility in Farnborough, Hampshire, and Megat's, they've officially opened its new £130 million super site at Anstey Park in Coventry, and that's the largest single investment in the firm's history. More than a 1,000 people are based at the British Aerospace and Defence Equipment Manufacturers West Midlands site. And we've got two more new factories, this time in Lancashire and Northamptonshire. It's, 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 an, it's incredible the amount of investment going on at the moment. It really is. Uh, Lofthouse of Fleetwood, best known for its fisherman's friend, Lozenger's, they're set to build a new multi-million pound factory adjacent to its current Lancashire site. Founded in 1865, the family-owned firm exports more than 95% of the products it makes. Incredible stats. And Top Hat, um, they've announced plans to build Europe's largest modular housing factory in Corby, Northamptonshire, capable of producing more than 4,000 homes per year. The Goldman Sachs-backed firm's huge investment is expected to create 1,000 jobs. And just finally, to finish this week, a couple of major developments have been given the green light. Fantastic news. Certainly is Turkish industrial conglomerate Sina. They secured planning permission for a £390 million glass bottle manufacturing plant in Evervale. The new factory, which is one of Wales' largest ever industrial investments, is expected to create more than 1,000 jobs. And Seawind, a South Korean firm, they're set to invest £300 million building the world's largest monopile manufacturing plant on Teesside after securing planning permission. This is expected to create 750 direct jobs and a further 1,500 across the supply chain. And the factory will produce between 100 and 150 monopiles per annum for the offshore wind industry. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that. That's just incredible, isn't it? The, the, the size of that facility is just, just astounding. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us this week, Stuart. It's, uh, it's been another great podcast, probably one of the better ones we've done for, for, for some time. Lots of great news in the marketplace at the moment. Hopefully, hopefully next week there'll be more. But thank you to you, Stuart. Uh, a big thank you to Malcolm Earp, the Chief Operating and Commercial Officer of the, the Ultimate Battery Company. But as always, the biggest thank you goes for you at home for taking your time to listen to the podcast. We'll see you next week. Great British Manufacturing Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter using at MTDMFG and at Jefferson underscore MFG.